we're going to be starting a brand new series today. Um, before we get into that, I want to let you know how many people are in this room that um, have own a business or desire to own a business. Is there anybody in this room that has that? Okay, awesome. Keep your hand up and wave at me. Uh, there you go. Awesome. Okay, good. I want to let you know that we are. Hey, Lewis and Gail Noel are in church today. You, you may not. You like well, who's that? Well, listen, they've been in this church for 800 years, and I just want to let you know that I love them so much. They're up from Washington. I love you guys so much. And um, my cousin Ricky um, is, is here from San Jose. And I, cousin, good to see you. God bless you. Hey, um, watch, you ready for this? Uh, those of you that have an entrepreneurial spirit or own a business, we are going to be launching a monthly business meeting where we begin to talk to you about how to build your business, but build it attached to the kingdom of God. Is that okay? So we're going, to, we're going to be going through that with you and, and giving you principles and, and talking through that a little bit. How many know that's a good thing to, to have a business, but how many know it's good to have it the right way? How many know we're not, we're not the real Slim Shady and we're going to do it right? I said, how many know we're going to do it right? Okay, okay, we're going to start a brand new series. You ready to learn? Yes. You ready to learn? Come on, get a notebook out. Get something you can write on this morning. And um, I'm going to be rehearsing a couple of stories that some of you um, have heard, but they're meaningful to me. And if you've not heard, the, if you've not heard them before, you will, you will like them. And if you heard them before, then you just have to laugh a lot, okay? Even though you've heard them before. You ready for this? You ready to learn a little bit today? Yes. Talking to my mother. She's going to be 98 years old next week. She'll be 98 next week. And, um, yeah. She's been a pillar in this church for 31 years and prays for people by name from 4 a.m. to 6 a.m. every day of her life. Every day of her life. Now, we're thinking about, you know, because, you know, she still has, her, her spirit is strong inside of her. So we're just thinking about creating a way where if somebody needs prayer, they can call her and she can still pray for you. How many would like to have my mother pray for you? And some of you would be like, well, I don't know who your mother is. Well, you need to. All right? You need to. Am I being switched? Okay. Get on. Is that better? All right. I didn't know the first one was bad, but here we go. All right. So, um, so I was talking to my mother because when you, as she gets older, I want to learn about her life and more things that I maybe have not heard or known about her before. So I, I ask her questions, and I would ask her, I'm like, Mom, why did you go in the streets of downtown Reno? Because her big thing was to buy, you know, she'd take a couple people, and she'd go downtown Reno, and she would just talk to everybody. She had 13 gang members around her one time. And she was in the middle of 13 gang members speaking to everyone, and 11 of the 13 got saved. 11 of 13 got saved. Watch. She volunteered for the Crisis Pregnancy Center for four years in her 80s, in her 80s, and led over 200 women to receive Christ in those four years, in that four-year time. Listen. And I began to talk to her about stories, about what she did and how she would approach people. And she, she said, she came up to me one day and she says, I got the greatest idea in the entire world to get people to receive Jesus. I said, what is it? She says, I'm going to go buy all a, a trunk full of mini watermelons. I'm like, okay. What are you going to do with those watermelons, mom? This is when she's in her 80s. So I'm going to go door to door. 
So I'm going to knock on the door, and I'm going to knock on the door and say, would you like a watermelon? And if they say yes, they say, I can only give it to you if you let me talk to you about Jesus. Yeah. And then she told me the time where she would, you know, be in the streets of downtown Reno or, or, or in Iceland. She was in Iceland. And she was telling me this uh, a couple days ago when I took her to Iceland with me. We took like 20 people to Iceland. And she was with me in Iceland, and she, she was in the streets of downtown Iceland in Reykjavik because there's, like, there's probably about 13,000 people that converge on Friday and Saturday nights, all young people, and they just kind of do their thing in, in Iceland. And she says, there's one time, she says, son, I was, I was out there with, you know, had my Bible, and I was teamed up with somebody, and we were out there, you know, just talking to people about, about how good their life could be and the good news of Jesus. And she said that she walked up to this young man. He said he was completely drunk and, you know, was stumbling over his words. And she walked up and just says, young man, I want to talk to you. And she said to me, she said, the young man looked at her and he said, what do you want to say to me, lady? She says, I want to tell you about Jesus. He says, what about Jesus? What about Jesus? She says, I want to let you know that Jesus can turn your life around and change your life forever. And he began, she began to share the gospel with him and the good news with him, telling him about who Jesus was. And she said she laid his, her hands on him and began to pray over him. And she says, she looked right at me. She pointed her little crooked finger because she's got arthritis in this finger. And she points straight, but this part of her finger points down. And I always tease her about it. I said, Mom, you're pointing down, not at me. She says, Son, I'm going to tell you the truth. I wouldn't lie to you. She says, I laid my hands on that young man, and I prayed for him. And by the time I got done praying for him, he was no longer drunk. He was talking to me completely sober. She says, God transformed him in that moment right there. She says, I, gave, she says, I had my Bible in my hand, and I handed him my Bible. I said, make me a promise that you'll read it for the rest of your life. She says, ma'am, I will. I looked at her, and I says, Mom, why do, why do you do that? Why did you do that? Why did you do all the things you did? She said, son, I did it for one reason. She says, because I love people. I love people. That's why she did it. She says, every, this is what she told me. Every person in this world should be afforded the opportunity to have Jesus in their life and faith in their heart. Every person. She says, I love people. It reminded me of a story that I said in this church maybe a couple different times about maybe a few years ago, maybe 10 years ago, when I was battling some physical ailments and I was, you know, having some physical problems. I was, you know, um, having fainting bouts and, you know, all this, just some physical problems. And then um, I went to get one of those executive physicals, Right. One of those executive physicals, you know, where they put you on a tread, you know, EKG and treadmill, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, they hooked me up to all that stuff. And, um, and uh, I, I, it was at St. Mary's and I did the test and they came back and they gave me the results of the test. You know, it took them like 60 days to get the results. They called me in. How do you know when the doctor calls you and they call you in? It's never good news, right? So they call you, call me in to the uh to St. Mary's, and I go up to the executive area up there, and they said, Mr. Vigil, we want to let you know we know what the problem is. I said, what is it? You're fat and out of shape. I said, I knew that. That's what they told me. That's what the doctor said. You're fat and you're out of shape. That's what the doctor told me. I said, I knew that. 
He says, well, you got you to be like Stella. You got to get your sexy back. I'm like, okay, I got it, all right? So, so I, I went to the gym, and I got me one of those trainers. I got me one of those trainers. And um, I remember I walk in, you know, I never met him before. I just signed the paperwork. I walked in there, and this dude was 6'4", right? He played, he was a defensive lineman up at the University of Adorino, played football up there. I mean, he was huge. He was 6'4", 285. I mean, when he would flex his biceps, his hair would curl. I mean, it's just, he was just a massive man, right? And, you know, he began to train me, you know, at 8 o'clock in the morning every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And he worked me, right? But he would, you know, we became pretty good friends, pretty good friends. And so he would come up to me and says, hey, I hear you're a pastor. I'm like, I am. He says, well, one day I'm going to come and hear you speak. I said, well, one day you should. But, you know, he had kind of this different background, so he always would try to get this shock value out of me, right? To see if I was going to watch. You ready for this? He would always tell me the stories of what he would do over the weekend to gauge my response for him, to gauge my response. So he would come up to me, he's like, and I would walk in the gym. And, you know, when I go in the gym, I'm not looking all like whatever, right? I'm just there to do my thing, you know? Some people get it, you know, they do all this to get, you know, to just sweat it out. I'm going in there. I rolled up out of the bed. I got my hair everywhere, you know? But he would walk, I'd walk in the gym, and he would yell from the back of the gym to the front. And when he would see me, he'd be like, hey, pastor, I'm over here. And I'm like, oh. Because everybody looked at me like, if that guy's a pastor, then anybody can be a pastor, right? <laughs> I say, okay, go ahead, you know. So I would go in there, and we would do his thing, and he would be like, hey, guess what? You know, this was Monday morning. He did it on every Monday morning. He says, guess what? I'm like, what? He says, I was with four different women this weekend. I was like, four different women? Huh? He's like, yeah, 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 yeah. That he would like, Friday night I was with Susie, and Saturday night I was, you know, and then Sunday, and I would go like, that's it, four women? That's it, four women. I said, you ain't got no game anyway. And I'd walk away from him. And he would get mad because I wouldn't judge him. Because I wouldn't judge him. He'd get mad at me, you know. He'd be like, well, don't you care? I'm like, it's not that I don't care. I said, you still don't have any game, right? So a month would come back, you know, like, you know, and he would up the bar. He goes, I want to let you know that I was with six girls this last week. I'm like, six, huh? I said, you still ain't got what I think, what I think you're capable of. I said, maybe you need a little bit more, right? And I'm just kind of, you know, I'm just, you know, he knows, right? He just knows. I said, you still don't have any game. He says, well, what do you mean? I said, it's not good enough yet. Like, fine. He said, well, I'm going to come to church on Wednesday night. This is when we had church. I'm going to come to church on Wednesday night. I said, well, come on. So I'll never forget. It's a big mammoth of a guy who walks into church, and he's sitting on the second row, right? And I'm just preaching. I'm just preaching, right? And I get done with the worship experience, and I feel God just kind of moving in my heart. And I said, listen, if you want Jesus to touch your heart, I want you to walk to the front of the building. And he was the first one out of his chair. He walked to the front of the building, and I laid my hands on him, and I said, I command in the name of Jesus that whoring spirit to get... No, I didn't say that. I'm just, I didn't say that to you. <laughs> Some of you are like, go on ahead, Pastor. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I reached out. I grabbed his hand. This is what I said to him. I said, Jesus, I pray that you would make yourself real to Mike. That somehow, some way, you would touch his life. And you would make yourself a real experiential, experientially for him. And that was it. In Jesus' name, amen. Close the worship experience. Got on an airplane Thursday. Flew to Croatia because I was speaking in Croatia.
flew to Croatia, right? Got to my hotel room, turned on my phone, and waited for my messages to download. And the first message that was on my phone was from Mike. I listened to his voicemail, big guy. I mean, huge. Listen to his voicemail. This is what he said to me. <laughs> Pastor, I don't know what you did to me last night. He says, but you messed me up. That's what he said. He goes, he goes, I love Jesus now. And, and then he goes, and I might love you, click. And that's all he said. That's all he said. That's it. A few years ago, Mike passed away. Because the doctor overprescribed him oxy, he took too many, and in his early 30s, he went to bed one night and didn't wake up. I think about Mike all the time. I drive places that we would eat together, we would hang out together, and I think about his story, and I think about his life. And I thought, why, why do I do what I do? Why do I do what, my, what I do? Why do you do what you do? And I resolved it down to one thing. Because people matter to God. And if people matter to God, they have to matter to you. The series we're starting is why. This is the name of the series, Why We. Why We. So there's this thing that we have in our life, in our churches, where we want people to serve, where we want people to give, where we want people to do certain things. It's kind of like, you know, every church relatively is the same. But I think like this, unless you understand why you do what you do, you lose the purpose behind it. You lose the purpose behind it. You see, I think like this. I think like how many people are in this world that are like Mike, that are looking, searching, believing. I grew up in church, and when I was 12 years old, I walked into a Christian church, and everybody had their hands lifted. I wasn't raised in that environment. People had their hands lifted in the air. People were crying, and people could, there was a, vis, there was a tangible presence in the room. I didn't know what it was. I was young. I didn't understand why people were crying in church. I thought, why are these people so sad? Why were other people so happy? And I realized that they had something that I needed in my own life. Just like you might be here, you're online, you might realize that as well. And I think about people like Mike and people who need God in their life, that when I was in church as a young boy, you just did things because that's what they told you to do. You came to church because you were supposed to. And if you didn't, watch, if you didn't, then God wasn't pleased with you. As a matter of fact, the more trouble you got in, the higher attendance you, you had, right? Like if you just, you know, we, we would always see people that got thrown in jail, right? And they were, you know, in between court dates, they would be in church every Sunday because they were asking God, look, I need you to help me get, you know, I don't need to be in the clink anymore. Can you help me out, right? So I, and then when you weren't in church, you felt like God wasn't pleased with you. And I remember that they would tell you that you had to read your Bible because you, because you just had to read your Bible. But I found out as I was growing up, nobody explained to me the why. 
You see, when you understand the why what you do in your life, it connects you to the vision and the purpose and the motivation. If you lose the why, you lose the purpose. My question to you is today we're talking about serving. This is what we're talking about. If we don't understand why we need to serve in our local church, then church becomes a religious obligation, not purposeful. Got quiet in here. It becomes a religious obligation, not purposeful. Now, every one of us, every one of us have had our church experiences, good or bad. Every one of us in this room. How many of you ever had a bad church experience before? Lift your hand. I've had, I mean, here's... But you know what? Here's, here's what happens. Sometimes when we had, have our bad church experiences, it prevents us from giving our life to service again. It's like having a bad relationship. You have a bad relationship, and that relationship begins to define what happens to you when new things come to your life. So what we do when you have a bad relationship with, a, with you know, a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a husband or a wife, and you, what happens is you begin to punish future people for, for, your, for the past experiences of, or for, of former relationships. That happens in church sometimes. You have bad experience in the church. And so what happens, that defines what you do futuristically. And what I want you to understand is I think that perspective is critical. Perspective of why you do what you do is critical. And here's the perspective, because this is what the Bible says. Do all things as unto the Lord. Everything you do, you do as unto God. So listen to me. When you serve in a church, you have to understand, here's the clarity of perspective. People are the, are the beneficiary of your service, but God is the object, object of your service. I serve God, but people benefit from it. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Listen, it's critical. Why do we serve? Because we need volunteers? No. See, we have to understand the perspective of Jesus. Please listen to me. Please listen. Because if you don't understand why Jesus did what he did, then what happens is that things just become religious in your life. Listen, religion, religion is when you do spiritual things and you do not change. You better tweet that out there. All right, that's a tweetable moment right there. Religion is when I do spiritual things and it has no more impact on my heart. I sing, but I don't worship. I give because out of obligation. I serve because my name's on a schedule. I come to church because that's what somebody told me that I had to do. You see, when you understand why you do what you do, when you understand why you do what you do, then you begin to realize the motivation behind it. And the reason we serve in our church is because people like Mike Yannick matter. And people like you matter. Because you never know who's walking in this church. And most churches in America, can I be honest with you? Most churches in America, most churches in America have 20% of the people doing 80% of the work. 20% of the people doing 80% of life change. You see, I want you to realize this morning that if you want your life to change, serve people. If you want your life to get better, then give yourself to something bigger than your own need. If you want your life to be able to move forward in anything in your life, then you have to reach beyond yourself and reach to something bigger than you. 
See, why? Because that's exactly what Jesus did. You see, if you want to be like Jesus, you have to understand the lifestyle of Jesus. It is not possible to be like Jesus if you don't understand his motivations. If you understand the motivation in, his, in why he did what he did, then you understand the perspective of how he saw the world and how he saw life. But some of us, when we read the Bible, we just read them as good stories, that he was a good man, but we don't understand the motivation behind it. And my prayer today, my prayer today, is this is not a pitch. This is not a pitch because we're desperate for volunteers. This is not a pitch because we need people to, to, to do something. Can I be honest with you? If you're in this church and you have faith in your heart, it should be innate in you to serve his purpose in the earth. Are you glad you came today? Service is like reflection. You know when you're in a clear lake and, or a clear pond and you look down and you can look in the water and you can see the, the reflection of your face in water, right? Your service is a reflection of your internal state of service. Your heart reflects your service. You say, why, Pastor? Watch, listen. Because your heart will always, your heart and your hands are always extended, are always connected. Your heart and your hands are connected. A heart that is anger has hands that produce anger in him. A heart that is surrendered has surrendered hands to God. A heart that is willing to go above and beyond is always willing to serve. A person who has unresolved anger uses their hands to hurt. Because your heart, right, drives the motivation of your hand. And if your heart is connected to God's purpose, then your hands always follow with service. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? It's quiet in here. Here's what I want you to get to. And I said the statement, but I, I say it. I, lived, I, I say, God, I want to live this all the time. This is what Dallas Willard said. Professor, USC, University of Southern California. This is what he said. He said, if your why, the why you do what you do, if your why does not make you cry, the price of commitment will always be too high. If your why does not make you cry, then the price of commitment will be too high. You see, what I want you to understand is that the motivation of the heart is what God is after. He's after that. And this is what Jesus laid out so clearly for us. In John, the 13th chapter, I'm going to read a lot of scripture to you. Can I read the Bible? That's what we do in church. You ready? Let's, I'm going to tell you a story. And I, want to, I want you to follow with me. John 13, verse 1. Let's read this. this is, and I want, you to set, I want to set the context for you so you understand it. Jesus is at the end of his life. He, know he's, he knows he is getting ready to die, to give his life for all humanity. Watch. And before he puts himself on that cross, he completes an act as an example of you and I and how we are to follow what he wants us to do and be like. Or hear what I'm saying to you. This story is a model. This story is a mantle. This story is an example of what God has in store for us as people. And this is what he says. This is what the writer says. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, 
that he should depart from this world to his father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them into the end. Watch. And at supper being ended, the devil having already entered into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Everybody watch. Remember, Simon was a disciple, or, or Judas was a disciple who betrayed Jesus for silver. Okay, just so you know that, right? And then he says, Jesus, so at this point, the temptation to betray Jesus was already in the mind and in the heart of Simon or, or Judas. He knew what he was going to do. He knew that he was going to betray him for silver. And Jesus, knowing that, the Father had given all things into his hands. In other words, to do whatever he wanted to do. He had come from God and was going to God. He rose from supper. Watch, he could do anything that he wants to do. He rose from supper, laid aside his garments, and took a towel and girded himself. Everybody look at your pastor. Watch, you ready? He could do anything at this moment of time. Anything he wanted to do. But his, one of his final acts before he goes on the cross is he's going to take on the role of a servant. He's going to take on the role of a servant. And then he says in verse 5, watch, this is what he says in verse 5. He says, after that, he poured water into a basin and, and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he had girded. Okay, are you with me? He began to wipe them. So this is what he does. And during that time, they walked everywhere. It was just sandals on, dirt roads. So washing of feet was the job of a servant or a slave. That was their job. When you walked into a home, you washed their, your ser the servant would wash your feet. So here you go. So Jesus in his final act, watch, this is what he does. He takes a towel, he kneels down, and he begins to wash all the feet of the disciples. Wow. And then he came to Simon, and he said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Watch the tone here. Watch the tone. Are you going to wash my feet? You're going to wash my feet. Jesus answered and said to him, what am I, what am, what I am doing, you do not understand, but you will after I'm done. In other words, watch. In other words, just sit here and be served. You don't have to say anything. Just sit here. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Notice the exclamation point. You shall never wash my feet. Jesus said to him, if I don't wash your feet, then you have no part of me. And Peter's like, say, what? He said, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, just don't wash my feet, but also my hands and my head. I'm sorry, God. Right? Now watch, watch. Look at verse 10. Jesus said to him, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but, completely, but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not all of you. Everybody look at me. He has 12 people. He's washing their feet. He says, if you have taken a bath or if you already washed your feet, whatever the case may be, you are already clean. This, listen, listen. He says, and all of you are clean, except not all of you are clean. Who is the only one in the 12 that were unclean? Judas. Judas, the betrayer. 
For he knew he would betray him before he said, you're not all clean. So he, so he had washed their feet, taken his garments, and sat down. And he said to them, do you not know what I have done to, to you? Look at the rest of the story. Watch. You and my... Please go to the next one. Yes. You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, uh, well, so for I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash another's feet. For I've given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is no greater than the master, nor is he... Uh, nor is he who sent greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, watch. Happy are you if you do them, or you will have a blessed life. Everybody watch. Everybody watch. Watch. Here he is with 12 people, right? He's going through, and he's taking on the role of a servant. And he's not worried about Peter. He's not worried about John. He's not worried about all the other ones that are clean. Jesus' whole focus is on one person. One person whose life matters because the other ones had it together, but Judas is the one that he was after. I don't know about you, but Jesus serves his betrayer that night and washes his feet and says, you're clean, you're clean, you're clean, but Judas, you need the help. And I still am going to try to serve the purpose of God in you, even though I know you're going to betray you, I'm still going to serve you. Wow. It wasn't about the others. It was about the one. Watch. It wasn't about everybody else. It was about the one. It was about the one person who needed to be touched and reached by Jesus at that moment. My question to everybody that is in this room today, who is the one that is going to walk in our door on a Sunday morning who is, needs the help and the life of God given to them, and by our service and by what we do, we are able to communicate God's compassion, God's love, and God's care for that person every time we serve people. Every single time we serve. You see, not one task that Jesus did was just a menial task. Not one thing that he did did not just count. Everything that he did had purpose. Everything he did had value. Watch. Everything that he did to the end of his life, he took on the role of a servant. What about the time that Peter's mother-in-law was sick? And he went to her house, and he prayed, and she got healed. Servant. What about the woman who was at the well? who was, had her life turned upside down and Jesus had a conversation with her and turned her whole life around by one conversation, servant. What about the time where he, was, where he healed the blind man, blind Bartimaeus, who had not seen in his whole life, servant. What about the time where he had uh, just a few loaves and a few fish and he turned them into enough to feed 5,000 people, servant. Do you know why he did all that? You know why? So he could display his miracle power, so he could show the world what he was capable of? He did it through the power of service. He did it through the power of service. Ladies and gentlemen, I say to you, not one thing that we do in this church collectively is a menial task. It counts. 
The problem we have sometimes is we forget our why. Why do we serve? Because people's lives matter to God. And if people's lives matter to God, they have to matter to you. Wow. I think about stories in the Bible. Is this all right this morning? I think about stories in the Bible of what people's lives hanging in the balance and the role that people took and the roles that people took in, in the Bible and how they reached out and served people. You see, can I be honest with you? People in the world, people in church, they want great things, but they don't want to serve to get there. The way up in the kingdom of God is the way down. You see, the service that you give to one another, how we serve one another, how we serve one another, really is a reflection of who we are as people. You see, every time I stand up in this pulpit, and I'm right here, I'm right here not speaking, people say, well, you're the pastor, you're speaking. Can I be honest with you? My whole role, my whole job, my whole job is not to be served. My whole job is to serve the purpose of Christ in your life. That's my job. To make sure that who you, the potential that God has in your life comes to the surface. My whole role is to serve Jesus in you. That's my whole job. And ladies and gentlemen, let me say this to you. If you can even read, think, think about this. You could read the story of, of, of Abraham. He says, Abraham, this is what I want you to do. Come on, remember Genesis 12, Hebrews 11. This is what he says. He says, Abraham, this is what I want you to do. I want you to look up and look at the sky. Look at all the stars you see in the sky. He says, because when you see all the stars you see in the, in the sky right there, he says, that speaks of the potential of your life. That speaks of the dreams you have in your heart, the things that you want to achieve in your life, and the things you want to, the things you want to move into, the greatness that, that could be for your life. That's how I feel about Victory City Church. That's how I feel about us. I feel we have so much greatness that we look to the heavens and we look to the sky and we see the potential of what God could do in us, through us, and for us. But as soon as God said, Abraham, I want you to look at the stars because that's your potential. He says, I also want you to look at the ground and look at the sand because the sand speaks of what you have to do to serve the purpose that you see in the sky. You see, it wasn't just a dream that you saw in the sky. He attached his dream to the feet of, his, of, the, the, feet of, his, of the ground. And he said, listen, if you want great things to happen, you can't just dream. You have to also serve. You also have to be familiar with the dirt. You also have to be familiar of what it takes to achieve greatness in life. And what he is saying to us at Victory City Church, if we want great things to happen, if we want people to be saved and life change to come and have experiences where people's lives are completely turned around, then we have to be willing to serve the purpose of God in their life. Because you do not know who's walking through that door every single Sunday morning and your service counts. Your service counts. Every song that is sang, every person that is working in our city kids, every person that greets, every person that does anything, I'm telling you right now, your service matters to people 
And I challenge you today. I challenge you to live for something bigger than just your busy schedule Monday through Friday. I challenge you to live further and go deeper than the American lifestyle. I love America. God bless America. But our independence and our freedom sometimes are working against us, not for us because we take our freedoms so we can do whatever we want. No, you can you? Sure, go ahead. But then you become to live in a selfish perspective where things are just about you and what I can do for me and how much money I can make and how much money I can do. All that is great if that is what you choose to live. But you know what? You have what you have so you can help people. You have energy so you can help people. You have purpose. You have a church so you can bless people. That is why we are in this building. Wow. This is what Jesus said in closing. This is what Jesus said. Listen to me. Jesus said this. He's, he's standing before Pontius Pilate and he's getting ready to be crucified in John. Right? And Pontius Pilate is asking him, he says, are you the king? Are you the king? Watch, are you the king? Are you the king? And Jesus answered and said, my kingdom is not of this world. My, if, if my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, are you, are you king then? Jesus answered and said, you say rightly that I am a king. Watch. For this cause I was born. And for this cause I have come into the world that I should bear witness of the truth. And everyone who is of the truth hears my Voice, And for this cause, and for this cause, and for this cause, I've come into the world. And for this cause, why are you here? Why are you here? No, not here. In the world. Why are you here? Jesus said, I have come to live for a cause, and that cause is Christ or God in his kingdom. I don't live for me. I live for something greater than myself. Why are you here? You, you, we make the world better when we serve. We make the world better when we serve. I want to say to you this morning, I want us to be people who serve. Because if we have, if we have that mentality and that's part of our culture, then guess what? We will do whatever it takes to make this church be what it can be for the kingdom of God. You will, be no, you will do whatever, whatever it takes to be able to do what God asks you to do. How many, know that we could, how many know that we should be packing this building out every single Sunday? Every Sunday, people should be getting saved, and people should be getting healed, and people should be getting delivered, and people's lives should be touched, and people should find purpose in God, and people should find purpose through, through, through being here. How many know that is why we are here? I know. I know we want our blessing, but what I have found out is that sometimes we seek to have our own needs met more than the purpose of God living inside of our own heart. What I have found out that when you are having tough times in your life, that if you will step outside of your tough times and serve people, guess what happens? The tough times get better. 
The tough times get better. Maybe the situation doesn't change, but you get better on the inside. You're not so focused on what you're facing. You're focused on helping somebody else. You're focused on making somebody else's life better. Can I say this to you? We have to be the ones that create an environment that when people walk in this door, they feel the love, the acceptance, the grace, the power, the demonstration of God every time they walk in this building. Are you with me? Why do we serve? Why do we serve? I mean, I, I came in this morning, early this morning, I, I came in and I was watching people set up the cafe and watching people get everything ready to go and everybody, you know, comes and everybody is at the door and in place early, and ready to go and we gather together and we pray and we pray and we kind of collect our minds and our hearts together. Like, why do we do all that? Is that just a requirement that we make? No, you know what we should do? You know what we're doing? We are creating an environment. So when people walk in this door, every cup of coffee you make, everything you set out, every time you're at the hub, every time you greet somebody, it's all based on creating an environment where people can experience life change and the generosity of God. You know why we give we we just give coffee? You know why we give coffee? You think people need to be woken up? Sure, sure you you may need that. You may need that, right? But you know why we do what we do? Right? So people can experience the generosity of God. You know why people are at the door? You know why people are at the door? So people can know that they're loved and accepted when they walk in this building because the world doesn't make them feel that way. Though I'm telling you, the world does not make them feel that way. If you, if you really, can I be honest with you? If you really want to experience some things, how many know customer service in our restaurants, in our, in our place, how many know that's all changed? You believe that's, I mean, how many know like COVID just changed some of that stuff? You walk into some place, you're like, hello, and you want me to give you 20%? No, you should give me 20% for being here. For realsies. I'm not even kidding you. Straight up. And so, you know, like, you know, so, so things have changed. You think that, you think people are going to walk into Walmart or they're going to walk into, you know, whatever. You walk out of Walmart, they're, they're giving you the shakedown. No offense, Stephanie. But they're making sure you're not stealing, like, the laundry basket that you didn't pay for. <laughs> it's true. Right? They're giving you the shakedown. Think they're there to encourage you? Oh, you know, think, no, no, they're making sure you didn't take like an extra roll of salami or something up out of the fridge. That's what they're, right? I get it. I get it. You got to do what you got to do. Okay. So you, you, you think when you, you think they're, they're going to make you feel like you got purpose in your life over there at, at Chipotle? No, they just want to know if you want double chicken or not. They don't care about that. This is a place in the earth where God is in covenant with his people. This is not just a building. This is God's bride. We are his children. This is the place. This is the hope of the world. This is the light of the world. This is a place where people come, where their lives can be put back together. And we have to be willing to serve the purpose of God in people's lives. Why do we serve? Because people matter to God. I was raised in a church culture when I got out of Bible college that, and I think you need to have a lot of honor. I think honor is a big deal because we're going to be talking about honor in this series. I think honor is a big deal. I think honor is a real big deal. But I was raised in kind of a church culture where it was kind of an unhealthy honor. 
were, were, were men were more magnified than God, right? It was all about the man or the woman and not about God. So I remember when I would travel and I would be invited to speak all over the world and I would, you know, I would come and watch. This is how it was. Okay, when I get invited to speak, they just invite you to speak, right? They pay for your airfare. They pay for your hotel. They pay for your food. They pay for everything, no matter where it was in the world. And then they pay you to speak. That's a pretty good gig, right? And then what happens sometimes is they would make it, a, people would make it about them. They would make it about them. And I remember I would get, I would get off the airplane, right? And I'd have my backpack and my briefcase and they would have what they call their armor bearer, which I think this is okay in some respects, hell in the healthy way. And they come in like, oh, here, let me carry your bags for you. And I'm like in my, you know, 40s and 50s. I'm like, let me carry your bag for you. You know, I'm like, okay, but, you know, I'm, I'm pretty able. So I just grab my own bags. I get the heart. I get the motivation. I get the motivation, right? But every time I would step in foot of, inside of a church, here was my prayer. Jesus, help me to serve the purpose of you in this church. Because there's people's lives that are hanging in the balance and I need them to get better. And you're the only thing that makes people better. Every one of us in this room plays a part in life change. From the door, to the cafe, to the seating, to the greeting, to the music, to me, to what we do after they leave this building, all of that matters in providing life change for people. So please, Victory City Church, can we be a church that changes lives? That we just don't sing about it. We just don't talk about it. It's not on our billboard. It's not on this. We change lives and we do nothing to do it. Can we please, can we please be a church that changes people's lives? I'm asking you, can we be that church? Can we be a church that makes lives better? I think about Mike Yannick all the time. Just not by memory, but I think about the, if he had not come to this building or the church we had, he had not walked into that building, where would he be today? I don't know. Where would you be? Think about the, the, the hundreds of people we have the opportunity to change their life. Wow. And what we try to do in our church, what we try to do, you see, I think like this. If everybody does, if everybody does their part, right, then not everybody has to carry the load all the time. Are you with me? How do you know everybody should, should carry the purpose and the vision of what we do together? There's some of you may not be able to serve on Sunday. That you could be on a prayer team. You can be on a prayer team. You could be praying for people. You say, well, I, 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 I can't pray for people. Then you should be doing the outreach. As a matter of fact, I think that's a good place for some of us to, to serve as the outreach. So you, get, so you get to see what people experience on a day-to-day -day basis. And some of, you need to, some of you need to come and you need to serve on a Sunday. You just need to serve. 
Are you see, Pastor, are we needy? No, we're okay. We're okay. Do you need us? No, you need to. You need to. You, you need to. You need to. Because you add to who we are. I think about like like, like Sean and Charlie. They would they were business people, you know, for years and and for years and years and years and years. I, I didn't even know who they were. I'm, can I just tell you? I didn't know who they were. But I remember being in Sparks. I would just get this envelope in the mail, and it would be from this ministry. I'm like, who are these people? I never met them before, and they would tithe to our church before they ever came to our church. Or they would come, but it would be so sporadic, right? I'm like, who are these people? And then I got to meet them. And then we became closer. Watch. And then their, their, their whole business vibe changed. And now they come on Sundays. And now do they not come on Sundays? They serve on Sundays. Can I be honest with you? Can I be honest with you? Them being able to come and serve has added to us. Has added to us. I saw, I, I was looking up here this morning. I saw Jamie playing the guitar this morning. I was looking at her, just watching her just play and just saying, like, look at her serve. Everything, like, right? Serve, serve. You say, you know, I'm just playing chords or I'm just playing whatever, a G minor. I don't even know if that's on the guitar, whatever. You know, she's just, you know, doing her Jimi Hendrix impersonation, right? Whatever the case may be. But you don't know what that does. And I know we had our issues this morning concerning sound and everybody couldn't hear anything and, you know, but, but whatever. But how many, know, how many know it creates an atmosphere? People don't even know what they're experiencing. Like, man, I just feel, I just feel good. I just feel God. That's because people up there like ching ching, and people like you're singing, right? You walk in the door. You know how you know you know how many testimonies I've had. People coming in this building and say, you know, when I walked in this church, I felt welcome. I felt welcome by when I walked in this church, right? I've heard people walk into me. It's like, you know, you, you guys are really a huggy church. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, I don't, you know, some people like, you know, I can shake their hand, Pastor, but please ask your, your greeters. I, I don't want them to touch me. I'm like, okay, no problem. Whatever, I get it. Some people don't like that. Oh, it's okay. But I'd rather go further than just not greet you. Are you with me? Serve. Listen to your pastor. Serve. Serve. Why? Because you need to. For your own spiritual maturity. Serve. Amen. Amen. Yes, you came on the right Sunday. <laughs> I knew I should have come next Sunday. Uh, you, you came on the right day. Jesus got you dialed in. I love you. I love this church. I love pastoring this church. I love the people that are in this church. Look, at, look around this room. I know a lot of people are gone. We have teams missing, all this kind of stuff. I don't care. Just look. Look at the diversity in this church. Look at the love in this church. Look at the people that God has brought together for his purpose. Look at you. Look, look, at, look at who's around you. How some of you even found us. Why are you even here? Some people found us online. Back in the day, we were like, what's online? People found us online. People, your neighbor brought you here. Your cousin brought you here. Or you're driving. I had some, people, some lady, she's like, you know, I was driving down the road, and I see this church, Victory City Church. What is that? I just decided to come in here, and I love it here. Come. Serve. Let's build a great church together. Amen. Amen.
want you to stand to your feet with me all over this building. I want you just to close your eyes all over this building, nobody moving. Online, I want you just to have a moment of prayer, a moment of reflection. Father, I thank you for your grace today, Lord. I thank you for who you are, for your strength and your mercy. Thank you, God, for being so good to us. I thank you, God, because you are the life-giving force that is in every heart and every life. I want you just to be in a moment of prayer with your eyes closed, your head bowed. Just put your attention upon who God is in your life and what he's doing in your heart today. You're here by design. Let me keep talking to you. You're here because God brought you here. The greatest miracle that could ever happen in your life is for you to open your heart to God and let him come into your life. It's the greatest miracle you'll ever experience in your entire life. The greatest miracle is when you say to yourself, I have need for God in my heart. Jesus, I need you in my heart. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Be the Lord of my life. When you make that prayer and that admission to your heart, to your own life, your life changes forever. Every eye closed, every head bowed. You're here by design. This is your moment. God brought you here. You're here for purpose. You're here because some of you haven't found your purpose yet. You've groped and, you gra and you, you've grappled with finding out the reason of your life. Purpose does not come except by God. If you're in this room today and you've never prayed the prayer to ask Jesus to come into your life, you've never said, I want you to be in my life. If you've never prayed that prayer, then I will pray with you and for you right where you are in this building or online. If you're in this room today, maybe you've prayed that prayer, but you've kind of just gone your own way and your heart has gone cold towards God, but you, today you want to renew your connection with God. Today's your moment. Today, to right now is your moment. Have the courage to say to myself, I need to reconnect my life back to God. If that is you, if you've never received Jesus in your heart for any time of your life, or you want to reconnect your life back to God, if that is you, when I count to three, I want you to lift your hand as high as you can and say, Pastor, pray with me and for me. I want you to just be bold enough to say, I need that in my life. I need it. I need it. If that is you, when I count to three, don't hesitate. One, this is your time. Two, doesn't matter who's standing with you or by you. Three, lift your hand in the air. Say, Pastor, pray with me and for me. Hand there. Anybody else? Hand right there. Hand right there. Anybody else in this building? There's hands up in this building right now. Anybody else? Say, Pastor, pray with me and for me. Okay, I want you to reach out and grab somebody's hand that is around you. Hand right there in the back. Hand right there in the middle. There you go. There you go. Awesome. 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 Just grab that hand. You can put the hand down after you reach out and you, you touch somebody. There you go. Let's pray this prayer together, everybody in this building. How we're going to pray this prayer is I'm going to say the prayer, you repeat the prayer. I'm going to say the prayer, you repeat the prayer. Everybody in this building, let's pray together. I say the prayer, you repeat the prayer. See, Lord Jesus, here I stand in need of you. I ask you to forgive me, to live in my heart, to renew my purpose to renew my passion and to cleanse me from my sins. Come into my life. Open my heart towards you. 
Thank you, Jesus, for receiving me and for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for saving me. Heal me. Make me whole. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.